Welcome, Dendrophile. This is one of a series of podcasts about trees. We'll be covering a different topic in each one. Today, I'm really pleased to be talking to Ian McDermott, a lecturer in arboriculture based in the West Midlands, although his tree work has taken him all around the world. We're going to be talking about street trees. Hi, Mac. What are the main species of street trees in Britain? In Britain, I mean, it does vary a bit geographically, but generally speaking, I think it's fair to say that plane trees and lime trees make up the vast majority of the uh, street trees that I've come across, certainly, and most definitely in our area across the Midlands. We've got quite a lot of horse chestnut as well. If you've got big white verges, um, if you think of some of the areas in the North Birmingham, they used to have big sweeping avenues, even double avenues, I can think, on the Lordswood Road, where um, horse chestnuts were... um, was the dominant feature. However, they're not doing really that well with climate change and various pest and disease. So the horse chestnut avenues of old, I think, are slowly but surely being replaced. Need big space, big verges, um, and an awful lot of leaf sweeping if you're going to have horse chestnuts. Right. Um, I understand that they're planting kind of more exotic non-natives in certainly um, city centres nowadays. Absolutely. Um, climate change and the difficult situation with urbanisation, um, the situation with um, utilities and cables and various bits of problems of infrastructure, it is difficult to get large trees. Our native trees are simply not doing very well with the change in the weather patterns. So we are looking quite actively for various different ornamental trees that will prosper in the urban environment. So yes, there has been a change in a lot of the tree species we've been changing, uh, we've been using, and certainly things like liquid amber. Um. I've seen a lot of those planted in the streets. Um, they are successful trees. They do do well. Sorry. Yeah, beautiful autumn colour. Absolutely, one of the best that there is. There's lots of benefits to having street trees, aren't there? Oh, hundreds. Um, I mean, there are disbenefits, but the benefits are obviously for us. I mean, just the fact that it makes the place look better. Your property sells quicker and sells for a higher value. Uh, interception of particulate matter to reduce air quality issues. Decreasing rain runoff and waterfall problems. There are lots and lots of benefits. Carbon storage, I think, is one of the big ones that we have a lot to talk about at the moment. Yes, um, and there's also about, is it about they help with heat and insulation and shade? Trees in the right place, absolutely. So a prevailing northwesterly wind with a tree to intercept the wind will obviously reduce the need for you to heat your property, whether that be a residential or a, uh, industrial. So you can reduce your heating if the tree's in the right place. And likewise, it can shade the property. So we do see an increasing amount of um, air conditioning units installed nowadays, particularly in, in business areas. And if you can shade the windows, uh, you do need you can reduce the need for electricity quite dramatically for the cooling reasons. You've mentioned a few disbenefits there, um, and the tree's got to be the right tree in the right place. We do get complaints from people, don't we, about leaves in the gutters, conkers on their cars, things like that. Yeah, there is an issue about urbanisation where people have become disassociated with the natural world. So there is a human element to this where we're not really happy with paying the bill for having a natural environment surrounding us. So the leaves are obviously one of those things. Trees have leaves. Nothing we can do about that. The whole point of having the trees, it has leaves. It's the bit that that synthesizes and the whole of the world's ecosystem, life on the whole of the planet is a requirement of 
photosynthesis. So without the leaves, nothing exists. Absolutely. Uh, however, they do fall off, and then someone's <laughs> got to sweep them up. And it's a very small bill to pay um, for the benefits that we get from trees. You can value those benefits, can't you? There are many different benefit models. Uh, we have a straight-out insurance asset model called CAVAT, which is Capital Asset Valuation for Minty Trees, which gives you a replacement cost should you lose the tree for whatever reason. And then there are ecosystem services benefit models. So those, it's iTree is the most common one internationally, and that calculates all those bits we've spoken about before, air quality improvements, carbon storage, and sulfur or dark side uptake, sequestration, stormwater runoff, heating and cooling, all those benefits can be given a, a pound sign. How much would it cost us to remove the particulates in an, in an industrial way? So we're going to allocate a value to the tree um, in the pounds that, that people then understand better. So yes, there are many things that we do now that we never did before in order to interpret the value of the trees in a more understandable way. And we really have to get that across to people, don't we, that the trees do have a value. Yes, they're beautiful. Yes, they're a, a wonderful green thing in a, in a street or in a road. But they do have a, a monetary value as well. Absolutely. It's an asset. Uh, and the, these very clever municipalities, so Birmingham City Council, for a classic example, but many do give an asset value to the trees. And when you're managing a highway or any, any other infrastructure within this urban environment, an asset register is one of those essential things. Everybody has an asset register in order that you can value your property. The trees are the only asset in local authorities' asset register that gain in value as time moves on. Everything else obviously goes down in value. And so the example of a lamppost would have a 25-year life. It would be worth £5,000 when you put it in and nothing in 25 years' time, which is its expected life. Whereas in the 25 years of the tree, it would have increased greatly in value. Size is everything when it comes to trees. And of course, having an asset register means we can then have a cost-benefit ratio. We know what the benefits of the trees are. We can put a pound sign against that, as I said. And then the cost of maintaining it whether that be for the pruning or the watering or whatever it might be, and also for any infrastructure damage that we need to repair. We can calculate the benefits to us that that asset gives us. And who owns the asset of the street trees? Well, the local authority are the custodians. So if it was a street tree, this would belong to the people of the municipality. So in, I use Birmingham as, a few, as an example so far, but... Birmingham City manage the asset, but the asset belongs to the people. It is a difficult concept for many local authority officers to understand. It's not theirs. It's the people who pay the rates that live in the city. So it's their asset um, that we're managing, which is why it's important to understand asset management. Right. And in some places, there have been issues with those assets where the people want one thing to happen, but because of various reasons, something else happens. I'm thinking of maybe Sheffield and the Birmingham plane tree. Can you explain a bit about what happened in those circumstances? Well, Sheffield was a classic example of where the asset wasn't considered in the management decisions. So at the time, there was a large 25-year public finance initiative contract. It wasn't either the city or the contractor that was really at fault here. It was the contract. 
and there was a, a decision made by the local authority to defend that contract, despite the fact it was clearly wrong. And what they did was they took a look at the disbenefits the trees provided. In this case, this was infrastructure damage to curbs and footpaths, and that's how much it's going to cost. And in some cases, this was only 100, 200 pounds to repair the tarmac. And they took a look at it. The tree has no value. But it's going to cost 200 pounds to repair the tarmac. So if we remove the tree, it'll never happen again. 200 pounds, job done. And then the cost of removing the tree was 1,000 pounds. So the first thing that, that happened was they didn't calculate the cost correctly. And the, obviously the single biggest issue for everybody, obviously, in Sheffield was the loss of the tree on a permanent basis. So places like Rustlings Road in Sheffield, an absolutely glorious street, a tree-lined street, uh, with trees of huge um, historical importance, many planted for um, uh, people who died in the war and the babies of people that were born in the city, and they were given no value and removed in order that we can have nice flat tarmac. This is not the way we're supposed to manage city infrastructure. And as a consequence, one of the biggest upheavals of emotion ever occurred, with people being arrested and placard waving and people throwing stones at each other and police assaults. It's quite crazy. But it does show you how emotive tree management can be. And the single biggest issue was they gave no value to the trees, which is a lesson learned for all of us. The Birmingham plane that you mentioned, that was one of those great things. It was the last of the planes that used to lie in Broad Street. Um, the, I can remember as a, as a boy that they were all the way down there. But the changing city infrastructure and certainly the development of Brindley Place, many trees were lost. Um, and this was the last one. What we lost in the furore was the fact it wasn't really that special a tree. Uh, it was old and it was the last one. And it was, you know, it was very noticeable because it was the last big tree in that part of the city. And through oversight, the city failed to protect it correctly and it was going to be lost a few reasons were thrown forward, but the truth of the matter is it was lost to the development of the urban realm. Uh, and it did become the focus point for an awful lot of animosity towards the city regarding their management of trees. In my opinion, it was a huge crime. But the benefit that came off the back of that was the birth of the Birmingham tree people, a change in the attitude towards trees, the development of a proper tree strategy, the coming together of a lot of um, disparate groups with a common cause. And now we have seen a much higher uh, interest in the trees and a much higher remit given to the trees by the city planners. Still got a long way to go, never any doubt about that. Money's always a problem. Uh, but obviously that plane tree has gone and, and can never be replaced. But hopefully we will have learned a lesson from that. Do you think that street trees are important enough that they should be um, put into every new road that goes in? Should we try and retrofit street trees into existing roads that don't have trees? Uh, well, retrofitting is far more expensive than uh, designing it in at the um, development stage. Clearly, every council should have a development strategy, a design criteria that says this is how the trees will look. And quoting Litchfield as an example of a uh, a fairly green area with a forward-thinking planning department, they have a minimum canopy cover that must be included in all development. So 
So there must be enough trees to provide 20 to 30% canopy cover um, moving forward. There's a huge requirement for tree planting. Some developments can't cope with it, so industrial development tends to be a little less inclusive of tree planting, but residential should be more so. So new streets, if we're going to design them as nice places to live with a calming uh, atmosphere, and this is obviously calming of, um, for the motor vehicles as well as the people's emotions, then trees are absolutely intrinsic in that requirement. So it's best to plant trees then as part of the initial plan? The, the most expensive part of a tree's life is the beginning. So buying the tree and getting it installed in the hard standing is really expensive. And the maintenance of those afterwards is, um, is quite difficult for many cities. Designing of the infrastructure to cope with a city tree is expensive. Because obviously the issue was back in the day when there were no utilities in the highway, um, it was easy. Yeah, many of those huge plane trees that you see in London were planted at a time when there were no services and now you know, on what they call suspended pavements. So there's complete unlimited soil volume underneath the pavement, whereas that we don't get that today. The highways are designed very, very, very hard landscape way. There are systems that use street trees to clean up water, aren't there? I've seen lots of systems. Um, I must admit, most of the sort of advanced ones are in the US and Canada, but they do use street trees as swales. So the, the pit around the tree is kept open and the water is drained off the hard surface through the tree pit and into an infiltration system. And at the end of the street, they'll have something like a rain garden where there'll be reeds and different plants that clean up the water before it passes into the storm system. It is a fantastic thing to see. It's not a cheap thing, but it does make, it does change the street scene. I can imagine, and, you know, wonderfully if we could have that in this country soon. I did see something in Canada where that actually, you, you couldn't even see the drains in the, in the footpath. The drains were all like slip drains. They had little, little bits of, um, I think it was stainless steel slips in the pavement that carried the water from the runoff in front of the shops into the tree pits. Um, so it was designed, all the way designed, the whole street shopping centre was designed around moving the water in a sustainable way off the surface and into the storm system and removing the pollution as it went. The, the issue is obviously around the planners, the city planners must have a design guide for whatever their, the area of the city that they're developing. So anybody that wants to develop in, for instance, Digbeth, too late now, obviously most of Digbeth stuff has already gone in and is in for planning permission, but you would have had a design guide that was very high quality. You, you can't build this unless you've got a green roof, a green wall, sustainable drainage, uh, photovoltaic cells, all that kind of stuff, and a 30% minimum canopy cover. How can members of the public find out about the design guides for their area? Well, what they should be doing is demanding of the town planners that they've got a design guide for their area that improves things and doesn't um, make things worse, or just mm. at the best, most of them just keep things the same. You want a design guide for your area that improves just as we move forward. It might take 100 years to improve the area you're living in by designing out all the problems that we currently have. It is difficult with high-density housing, but other cities in the world can do it. There's no reason why we can't. Mac, thank you so much for talking to us about street trees. I hope that we'll all take more notice of the street trees that we walk past every day. Now, Dendrophile, 
we'll learn about one tree in particular. The tree I'm in love with today is the oak tree. What's not to love about an oak? They can grow to a magnificent size and their highly branched spreading boughs look majestic. There are about 600 species of oak and two of these are native to the UK. The English oak, Quercus roba, and the sessile oak, Quercus petraea. Oaks are part of the Fagaceae family with beeches and sweet chestnuts. I find identifying oak trees, apart from the English oak with its lobed leaves, really difficult as they can look very different to each other. Their only common feature is that they have acorns in cups. If you're looking at a tree and there are no acorns, it's really hard. I usually look on the ground and see if I can find any. Let me give you a couple of examples to show you how different they are. The holm oak has leaves that look like holly leaves and it's evergreen. Its Latin name is Quercus ilex. The ilex means holly. The willow oak has leaves like a willow tree. It's American and so quite rare in this country, but you will see it in Arboreta. The English oak used to cover the UK in medieval times. The timber is the right combination of heavy, hard, tough and supple to make it good for making furniture, ships and houses. In Elizabethan times, a law was introduced to protect oak trees as many of them were cut down for use by the Navy as well as by local people to make charcoal. Oak forests were also protected for pannage. This gave commoners the right to allow their pigs to eat the acorns. Oak bark contains tannin, which used to be used to make leather from animal skins. The oak trees make tannin as a defence mechanism against insects and bacteria. Oak trees are very long-lived. 300 years to grow, 300 years to mature and 300 years to die. They are also home to about 300 species of wildlife, from birds and squirrels feeding on the acorns to gall wasps and oak processionary moths. Oak trees are incredibly important and I'd encourage everyone to grow one from an acorn, although don't let the squirrels see where you've planted it. Then just wait 80 or maybe 100 years and you'll have a decent sized tree teeming with wildlife. There's no better legacy, is there?